Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, we're three car people. We work in the car industry and we like to talk about cars. So we're going to make you listen to us. In today's episode, we're going to tell you a weird fact about us. We're going to discuss what's new in the world of cars today, and what this week, rather. Uh, we're going to discuss a deep question, which is, what's an inspiring car? And we're going to discuss the Portuguese Grand Prix, because, uh, well, we like F1, and I think most people in the world should. Um, Did, didn't we agree this was the West Spanish Grand Prix? Uh, yes, or the uh, West Iberian Grand Prix, or the... Uh, east of Brazil Grand Prix. The, the uh, very, very Northern African Grand Prix. Yes, exactly. exactly. Well, we have the Spanish Grand Prix coming this weekend, which I guess is the East Portugal Grand Prix? Yes. Yeah. So not the Catalonian Grand Prix? Uh, it could be that as well. Um, it could be the slightly close to France Grand Prix if you wanted. Uh, but uh, Although I must say the choice between Catalonia and Paul Ricard I don't know which one is more boring to watch. And I hope this weekend is more interesting. Uh, I than... quite enjoy the Spanish ones. Really? Uh, Every time they say it's going to be a boring race, you go watch them and you go, oh, we weren't expecting this. And then all hell breaks loose. And it's great. Well, I, I hope you're proved right. So I'm going to say it now. It's probably going to be a boring race. And I hope you're right that I'm wrong. Although I still want to beat you in the F1 Fantasy League. So... Well, okay. Is this is the part also where I kind of confirmed that, uh, I, well, highlight to you that I might have not really seen last week's race. I tried Next. to watch the first three laps and then it was like, yeah, okay, nothing's going to change you. Some, some things might have changed. So maybe you can give us your live up, your live reaction as me and Valerian talk about it. Um, that'd be an epic way to find out how a race went. Yeah. Wait a week and just have some couple of people tell you what it was like. Yeah, okay, that'd be good. It's like reading the news, but. In your years. Delayed. Like a podcast, almost. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Uh, quick intro to us. Uh, I'm Abhishek. I like cars. I have a fetish for Italian cars. And I am that weirdo who drives a Fiat Uno in the center of London. And But I always get a wave, 100% record of people waving at me in my car as I drive around like zone one. Um, but based on that information, people can actually already identify you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I have been followed by the cops once at like 11 o'clock in the night because they were probably wondering why this 29-year-old rust bucket is driving around Clarkenwell and where is he going? And it was an undercover cop car. I spotted him before he spotted me. That was exciting. And then I saw him pull in behind me and like follow me doing ANP. I was like, Haha, I'm legit. Anyway, that's a side note. Valerian, tell us something exciting about yourself. Uh, yeah, so, well, maybe more exciting. For me, it was exciting to find out that I um, crashed in every Renault Sport color, a Clio RS, um, also while standing still. So that, that's one of the things this week I actually realized I've been a Ferrari fan for 30 years. Oh, wow. Impressive. How old are you? In 67. <laughs> And mentally? Uh, divided by a nice number. Ten. Guessing it all started with Schumacher then. Alessi. Ah. Ooh. Ooh. I, I'm guessing you saw Alessi um, have a bit Ooh. of a moment in the historic Monaco Grand Prix yeah. last weekend. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That was an amazing drive of him, though. 
Mm. Uh, the onboards were spectacular. Yes, uh, yes. And, and Definitely I, recommend it to, to look them up on YouTube. Mm, yes, mm, yes, yes. Uh, and when you said you've crashed every single color, you mean you've been in or near, or sometimes not even near the car when it's been crashed into? Uh, I was in, yes, well, yeah. That's true. That's true. If you consider those as well, yes. Uh, there was one occasion where I uh, used the white color of a uh, the Renault Sport colors um, to, how far was I away from that car? Maybe 20 meters uh, when I heard a loud bang and uh, realized that uh, that could have been my car. So I double checked in the, in the, in the, in the car park. And uh, I did find my car uh, moved itself into a, uh, what do you call that, uh, uh, a fence thing? Or, or what do you call it when you, when you walk downstairs of that ramp, a post? A post. It literally torpedoed itself right in the middle of that post. Um, and, and, so, why, yeah. and why do you think that happened, Valerian? Um, well, the handbrake uh, and my superior... Um, alignment of, of, of the car in, in the in the space um, yeah no, none of it was working let, let's say that um, the floor wasn't really horizontal as I thought it was um, I did have the famous Clio handbrake issue uh, where the handbrakes get sticky uh, so I decided not to put the handbrake on and also not to put the car in first gear so top tip if your handbrake sticky, Put the car in gear when you park it. Yes. Useful advice. Yes. yes. I, didn't, I didn't think you were going to say anything useful, but this is good already. Yes. Something useful has been provided. We can make up for that soon. Uh, Andre, moving on to you. Tell us something interesting. Have you crashed anything recently or forgotten to use a handbrake? Uh, I, well, the, 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 the news of this week is everybody seems to be talking about crashes. And then, you know, everybody goes, oh, yeah, I crashed that and I crashed that. And I uh, used to crash once a year. And then you go, I haven't crashed yet. So this is starting to worry me now. It's starting to freak me out a little bit. It's a good thing if you've not crashed, usually. Don't you worry. Yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. You're literally asking for it right now. (laughs) I'm touching all the wood I can get, mate. I'm touching all the wood I can get. That's one interesting thing I've I've picked up on or noticed this week. And the other bit is that I'm actually really boring, to be honest. I've got a transit van. So, yeah, that's... But you can live in it. I could live in it. It'd be a bit, a bit tight, but um, yeah. Didn't you buy it so you can live in it? Now I kind of changed my perspective on life before buying this one. I don't think I could live in it. It's a bit too small for that. It's, it's a camper it's pretty van. impressive for the size of it. It's a camper van. You should be able to live in it occasionally, not permanently. But then it's not really living, is it? Then isn't that just called a holiday? You live on holiday, right? You, you, you don't suddenly stop living when you go on holiday. So I stay alive during my holiday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, channeling the Bee Gees there. Very good. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, what's new in the world of cars this week? What have you seen? Valerian, what have you seen? Tell us. Uh, what have you seen? Uh, now you're putting me on the spot and I instantly get like a, a memory loss again, like I mentioned before. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe less related to the auto industry itself. Uh, well, 
I'd say that, but but actually it's it's very related to the automotive industry. Something we, we briefly discussed before is the chip shortage uh, mm. currently happening, closing factories, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I've noticed there's lots of news about the chip makers um, not being able to uh, to produce as many chips as possible. But an interesting thing here, especially for for me and Andre, because we're those both. Uh, uh, idiot Dutchies, um, one of the biggest companies on the planet that, that creates the machines uh, to make these chips or is a, is a famous uh, a Dutch company, ASML. Um, and uh, yeah, I did, do, I do did not sponsor this podcast, by the way. No, no. But if they'd like even, to, please get in touch. <clears throat> even though I, you, you could almost say this podcast wasn't really possible without their machine. Um, <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. But yeah, I, I did find this, uh, this this quite interesting, this whole space of uh, chip making and how it has such a huge impact on the automotive industry, whereas 30 years ago, uh, it had a lot less influence. Is this the part where we go, uh, can we please go back to carburetors and uh, back to the 90s or the 80s? Because everything was better back then. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we could use the word turbo. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, turbo and everything. Everything is turbo. Turbo intercooler. Everything Ooh, was yeah, turbo. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you have the Porsche Taycan Turbo S, which I'm I'm not entirely sure the word turbo makes any sense on it. But yeah, it's a bit like when everybody st- like I guess you could say the same BMW applied, wasn't it? Like you still have the same numbering for the engines effectively that kind of represent i guess the driving experience or like a a power output but now they're all turbocharged four cylinders yeah but i guess porsche have have definitely bumped that up to the next level if you start calling your electric car turbo correct well yeah yeah, would you want to call them big inverter small inverter noisy inverter it's a bit lame calling them like that very electric Electric square, even more electric. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of German, isn't it? <laughs> Good classification into things, super clear. It's clear. I give, uh, well, it's not very clear on a electric Porsche when you have the word turbo written on the back of it. That that said, um, my Uno has a sticker on the back that says catalyst, advertising the fact that there's a catalyst. Oh yeah. Uh, oh uh, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and now I wonder how soon before somebody goes, oh, I can take the catalyst of this one. It's so easy <laughs> to get to, uh, and it's telling me it has one. Um, although I'm not sure what what value they're going to get out of a 29 year old catalyst. I would assume probably five pounds. That's just not put the effort. You have to market it properly. Vintage. That's a top tip to anyone. Put it on Instagram. Yeah, that's a top tip to anyone in this very disgusting field of stealing catalyst. One, don't do it. And two, uh, old catalysts aren't worth much. Please stay away. Thank you. Um, That'd be very dumb. Some people even know that you have one, except for like, yeah, it's written on your car, but people won't believe that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, sometimes I'm surprised it actually works at the MRT station. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the thing I've noticed is everyone's going electric and everyone should deal with it. Uh, except for Ferrari, who have decided to announce a V12 812 um, competizione. And the competizione A, because writing the word aperta was too much. So competizione A. 
which is a nice naturally aspirated V12. And I like that, uh, considering they're going to have a full BEV in 2025 and they already have a performance PHEV. So uh, it's nice to see like one last hurrah. I mean, wasn't this coming from the company that said they would never make any SUVs, they wouldn't ever make any electric vehicles, they wouldn't make any PHEVs, and now we've got this? Yeah, but, yeah. but the, amount of times, the amount of times where they've written that Enzo Ferrari would turn around in his grave for every that guy has been spinning for the last years. <laughs> I mean, times change, right? Strategies change, plans change. That's why you never say never. Yeah, but it's, it's, it makes complete sense to do it from a business point of view. To make beautiful Ferraris, you need to sell slightly less beautiful and desirable cars that the masses can pay for. Yeah, but yeah. I guess I guess at one point they were they had that with like the whole Fiat tie-up, but I'm not sure they can share the share the credits anymore uh, of uh, small cars versus the big V12. Um, well, they can buy Tesla shares now. Well, they don't need to because I've just uh, I've uh, I've noticed that uh, Stellantis have just said they're not going to be buying any more Tesla credits. Um, so Ferrari which, can buy them. I don't think Ferrari need them. They're so low volume. I don't think it matters. Maybe they can still plug it in with the Stellantis overall. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's interesting that I think last quarter Tesla made close to six hundred million dollars of selling credits. Um, and another hundred million from Bitcoin. Go figure. Good way to f- to fin- fund your R and D that way. Uh, yeah. So their then profit that they pre- that they announced was five hundred and eighteen million, which I think you'll see is less than um, credit sales and Bitcoin fluctuation. So and now Stellantis don't want to buy anymore. And as more and more people make EVs, all of those credits will be going will be losing its value. So I, I do wonder what's going to happen there when their biggest source of uh, profit disappears. Um, but anyway, that's a side note. Um, intrigued to see how Tesla ride that wave. Uh, there's clearly people buying the cars and they're making more. And they announced another $25,000 car, which would be nice if we can buy one. Um, still haven't seen a $35,000 Tesla Model 3 on the road. I've seen more expensive ones, but not the cheap basic bottom of the line one well i mean i was just watching a video the other day and i think it was a model 3 base variant versus polestar mm-hmm. and i thought the model 3 was cheaper in the uk than the four-wheel drive polestar yeah you, because you can buy just a rear wheel drive model 3 yeah which is um, which is quite it, it does slide really well um which is what you don't expect when you get out of a Model S and you get into a Model 3, which is rear-wheel drive, and the Model S has all-wheel drive, and you boot it out of a roundabout, and it goes, ooh, hello, surprise. But, Top tip, I mean, be aware. I mean, I've not, I've, not, I've not been in the 3 yet. Should hopefully change soon, but I don't know. It's quite, it sounds like it's quite an impressive electric car. Mm-hmm. Yes, as a car, it might not be the all and end all that you would want, but um, as a piece of kit that needs to be efficient, it seems mm-hmm. to be doing that really well. Yeah, I think I think Tesla still have probably the best powertrain battery um, electrical architecture um, in the market. I think there's other bits 
quality wise that may be letting it down in some other places but that should improve over time i would hope but at the same time you've got people like volkswagen um, throwing money into this and stellantis i like things i like saying stellantis um also coming at it hard with every brand so should be fun to watch but on the topic of evs um lots more have launched with the 800 volt platform like the ionic 5 ev6 uh which should help with charge rates if you can find a charger that supports that which is currently not that many and um you said it had a 44 inch head up display i did yeah yeah and uh, i'm i'm intrigued to see what that looks like while you drive it yes yes me too uh, i think uh, <clears throat> being uh, being part of the head up display world um looking at what the competitors are also doing such as mercedes with the s class um which has a lot smaller field of view as they call it kind of the canvas um and um uh, yeah that, that's all based on fairly conventional technology meaning that you can only display um an image in at one plane at one distance so it's not really moving in space um, i think this head of display this 44 inch one is is based on also on very conventional technology and, and probably the packaging volume must be huge because uh, mercedes is already using around 20 to 30 liters wow uh, around the cluster area so right in front of your uh, steering wheel mm-hmm. and uh, this should be at least similar size um also it's interesting because it's such a large display area that 44 inch it will use uh, quite a lot of energy correct uh, which might go away from that uh, that range yeah uh, uh, do you think it's easier to package a bigger head head up display unit in a ev because there is maybe nothing from the engine bay that protrudes in against the bulkhead etc you can push out the cabin that that's one thing definitely uh there's no engine there so there's more space but also even more interesting there's a strategy to either create more space or maintain that that space that you Correct. intended um so in that sense it really accelerates the adoption of these uh, larger head of display display areas yeah what else could you put in that space um i guess between the between the steering wheel and the bulkhead um in the cabin if you don't have some of the other ic engine components maybe protruding or squeezing that central tunnel what else could you put there do you mean in terms of technology yeah. or a bag of potatoes or preferably technology but if you could hide a bag of potatoes there that's an extra cubby hole that's already a win uh, that's also still quite advanced technology isn't it yeah exactly potatoes are important um yeah i think a well reasoning from from the display space uh, what we see is that um, a lot of the the cars currently but also uh, definitely the concept cars have larger uh, displays in the car in the cluster the center screens they're all bigger 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 they're also moving upwards so there's a trend going on here information going upwards uh, closer to the road uh, head of display information is essentially uh, displayed in the environments uh, with real proper augmented reality you can show 3d information uh, so that will be immersed in the real world 
Mm -hmm. uh, and in order to do that in, in a full windscreen size, you would need a significantly large packaging volume. So yeah, more space on, in, in that area is, is always welcome. Um, but then, yeah, you have, you have other inventions going on. Yeah. Uh, maybe sound systems, uh, improved yeah. HVAC. Um, yeah, maybe design has a large influence there as well. Of course. Want to keep it cleaner. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing it also opens up possibilities of having bigger screens in that space because you can maybe yeah. deal with the cooling of having a full-length screen like the Urban E, for example. That has quite a small cockpit from what I saw on the street. Um, but it is full length, looks quite uh, quite snazzy. Um, I'd like to try one. So if anybody from Honda is listening, please provide us what to use. Thank you. Um, and and a mini PlayStation uh, to play uh, games on, on that screen. I think Andre still has a PlayStation we can use. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah. I don't think I need to hand that back anytime soon. To no, no. Moving on. Um, um, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. No, I was just thinking. I was just thinking about the Ionic Five, and I saw some articles mentioning, "Oh, hot hatch from uh, Hyundai coming this way." Yeah. And I was thinking, it looks a little bit big. But it is big. Unfortunately, I did this sad thing of doing some research, googling this thing. When they say hot hatch, this thing is the same length now of a Golf R estate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not small. It is hatch-shaped, but it's not hatch-sized. hatch-shaped, yeah, exactly. And then the thing is actually pretty tall as well. I think yeah. it's like a good 10 centimeters taller than a Golf. Yeah, I think it's. I think you can get it on 20s. So you can be running on your 20s. I must say it looks spectacular. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, no criticism to design. It looks amazing. I think it's going to win awards, and I think it already has. Um, it's just like oh, hot hatch, hot hatch, and there you go. And then actually, even on the, the the UK website for Kia, they call it an SUV. Yeah, it is quite big. Um, it looks <laughs> it looks hatchy, but it's quite big. It's a big yeah. hatch. And then you say, oh, okay, you look, read the specification. You go three hundred horsepower. You go, ah, oh, that's that's pretty decent, you know. Yeah. Especially like hot hatch, yeah, same as Golf R. Yeah, the only thing is, there's also another six hundred kilos coming with that. Yeah, so you need the, the pleasure of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I don't know how hot is hot in this case. It's still impressive, well, but on the topic of hot EVs. Um, Volkswagen announced the ID4 GTX, which I thought, ah, cool, performance EVs, I like it. Like, you know, maybe more discharge, more powerful motor, etc. Maybe a little bit less range. Uh, it looks like it's a trim level with like cool stuff. I was like, why would you call it GT something if it's a trim level? Just call it like, I don't know, the ID4 ultra luxurious, ultra premium something, premium something. I don't so think what is the, the Volkswagen uh, equivalent of S line or M M Sport line or whatever? R. Isn't it R R R? Yeah. Is it R line? Well, they have yeah. GTI, the Golf GTI. They still do. They still do. And there's well, that's the not G a line, is it? But that's like a, a, uh, it's a performance a model as such. Uh, true. Yeah. I don't think they have a line. You're right. Uh, they have GTI, GTE, R, but I don't think there is like a equivalent line, like the AMG line or the S line or the M. You know what I mean? Oh, there isn't is that like a, it's called GTX. Isn't it like a, a tennis ball on the on the what do you call that that 
toe toe thing on the uh, toe bar on the toe bar <laughs> that's the trim level <laughs> that's such a dutch trim level <laughs> wow for all those dutchies that need to pull them caravans yeah oh well <laughs> but you at least you went one beyond that just bought a camper van instead of a caravan i did and i, I don't have a knobbly tennis ball on the back of my van so you can I'm put cool that way. You want to put one there? We can. I'll just stick I'll one some on dice. Own. I'll put some dice around the wing mirror. Yeah, uh, not wing mirror. The, uh, the, Does it the, have some uh, some funky wheels on it? You see a lot of camper mm-hmm. vans these days that are kind of, you know, rat rot, uh, retro oh, styling, yeah, yeah. That, that that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Looks I've got crap, the rusty the look on great. it. It's the rusty look I've got on it. Not so much on the rims, but more on the body underneath a little That's bit. That's fine. That's fine. That's perfect. It's, um, it's it took a lot of time to get that right. And you know, good seventeen years driving around in Britain and France, that seems to have done it. And it comes as a standard feature on that Lovely. year model year of transit. Delicate process. Yes, exactly. And then the the the, the rims, I'm sure can will confirm this that they are beautiful because these are steel wheels. They are. Massive, fifteen inch, massive, and um, because they're van shaped, they're not flush. So you got like a deep dish wheel, oh, yes. uh, wheel, uh, uh, what do you call them? Wheel cap on them. Yeah, beautiful, nice. beautiful. Oh, by the way, zip tied around it, of course, to Lovely. make sure they don't go flying. Lovely. Period. Uh, correct. Uh, it's, I, it's it's magnificent. I think we need to find you something much better looking. Uh, I can probably find the specs and I'm going to go on eBay and find you something ridiculous. How? What year is the van? It's um, an 04. Lovely. Fine. We'll find you something appropriate from the early 2000s. And I will use some like Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent videos as inspiration for like spinners or something <laughs> from the early 2000s. I think it'll go well. Just, just a day in Halfords, mate. You'll be yeah, happy. exactly. Oh, no, please. No, no. eBay. eBay. Find something cool. AliExpress, come on! So, oh yeah, that's that's better. I was thinking something like like uh, Momos or Comp Motives or something like you know rally spec rims for your for, yeah 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 something. definitely tire lettering yeah no for sure super expensive I did super that expensive. I did that on my um on my moped when I was sixteen with the white marker pen I went in and you know wrote in Pirelli all the way on the on the sidewalls of my uh, moped I felt so cool. It was I cool. didn't get laid, but I felt so <laughs> Well, we can do it to your van if you'd like, just because. And it's you okay. can get laid in that van. Hey! Yes. yes. Excellent. Um, anything else you want to discuss from the world of cars this week? Yeah. I noticed not a lot that, is happening, you know, COVID, well, chip uh, shortage. Uh, not lots of things are happening. Uh, I saw Neo is entering the Norwegian market, so they're finally bringing their cars to Europe. Um, and Neo is one of those Chinese brands that are uh, make really good cars, and we just don't see them here. And there's so many more like that that will come through, I think, eventually. Um, they've launched in Norway, and I'm pretty sure they'll launch everywhere else. I think at one point, Neo were doing some design and engineering in the UK. So I feel like they will be here as well sooner rather than later question do we think you know how we keep complaining that we can't get cheap evs in 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 europe as such yeah 
Do we reckon the Chinese might be filling that market very quickly for us? I think the Chinese have the vehicles that they could fill the market. It's just whether they meet crash protection and other European regulation. On the flip side, a lot of the traditional European manufacturers, uh, Peugeot, Fiat, Opel, I'm aware I've just said all same all brands from the same company. Um, all the Stellantis all, ones. All the Stellantis ones, exactly. Stellantis. Um, they're, they're all coming to the market. They're all reasonably priced. You've already got the Renaults and the Nissans here. Um, and their prices are dropping over time. Um, I saw some lease deals. You can get a, you can get into these cars for two, 300 quid a month uh, on PCP. So they're coming. Uh, I feel like if the Chinese brought some of their, uh, some of the other brands, They'd have to gain a market share or at least a market presence, and then they'd be in a really good position if they meet the regulations. So something like a Neo has been designed, I think, in the UK years ago. So it's already inbuilt, so they can launch into the EU. So we might see some more coming through the door as well. It'd mm. be good, I think. Uh, uh, EVs tend to not really be, let's say, brand aligned. I mean, Tesla is the number one EV manufacturer and it's not a traditional car manufacturer before that. So uh, why not? Rivian, Arrival, Canoe, um, and countless more. These are just the big ones that we know of, um, off the top of our head. Yeah. Also interesting that Norway has suddenly become an interesting market for the automotive because it never, never was yeah, well, no, an no. interest. Yeah, Norway is still a tiny market in the grand scheme of things, but it was the most accepting of EVs with subsidies and things. So it was a great place to test um, your EV marketing, your strategy, because there were financial incentives for the customers. So I think I think last month they were like, or this month, they were like 80% of new cars were EVs registered. Yeah. So it yeah, that's adoption. Me. That adoption has has been so quick that they've managed to, to create a status. Correct. Uh, exactly. That, that is just yeah, yeah. Incredible. It's where you go. It's where you go if you want to launch one. Suddenly, it, you're you're totally green if if you're from Norway. Yeah, um, yeah. If if you launch in Norway, all the infrastructure is already present to actually use the car. Uh, unlike some of the other markets where it's still coming, you know, it's coming. Um, I think the UK is doing rather well. Germany is doing well. France is doing well. But I can see places like Italy and Spain coming on song pretty quickly. Yeah. I wonder if countries could use that to their advantage for a PR side to get people to buy into DV because, I mean, range anxiety is still a big issue with them. Yeah. But if you can get a country like Norway to buy into it, and let's be honest, it's a huge country with a very spread out uh, population, lot small, yeah, spread out population, and I guess relatively small density population. Then surely, in places within Europe, if we if we like, like Central Europe, where there's a lot of people and there's quite decent infrastructure, we should be able to to get over that fear. Yep. Let's talk about inspiring cars because, um, I mean, inspiring, inspirational, let's say inspiring. You know what I mean. Uh, Valerian, what do you think an inspiring car, what is inspiring to you as a car? What inspired you? Oh, uh, actually, get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes me get out of bed. <laughs> Been working from bed since the start of the pandemic never came out. Don't know if I can walk it ever again, yeah, <laughs> let alone drive. 
Um, What's a car? Don't know what they are anymore. Okay. I, I I didn't I didn't came up with um, the conventional car to be honest um, because when I started thinking about okay what's the most inspiring car to me uh, then I have to dig really deep and then then I get I go back many many years so I go back to my childhood and and then I think okay um, toy cars are the most inspiring cars to me um, because they provided me with a with a platform where I could you know I was a fan of cars already since I was a baby uh, but with toy cars I could actually play with them uh, there were many different shapes many different cars so I got to know you know uh, uh, the, the shapes themselves there were toy cars with you know slightly different suspension so I could figure out okay how does that work uh, the wheels are maybe not not all of them are turning when you whack that car through the corner uh, the way it crashes the way you crash other cars together and, and simulate these sort of things um, yeah that, that gave me so much inspiration and then so much you know uh, dreaming about you know how it would be to drive a real car uh, that that was for me maybe the most inspiring mm. car yeah I mean I think uh, a lot of people get inspired by what they do in their childhood and if you grew up playing with toy cars it does it does have an effect obviously um, do you have a favorite toy car from when you were young Ooh, uh, many I, did, I think I did have a favorite brand at that time uh, purely because they were a little bit more bouncy than than a matchbox or hot wheels <laughs> because there was a, a French uh, which is then then quite interesting uh, because the French were also known for their comfort. Uh, but there was a French band Majorette, mm-hmm. um, which which had a lot of you know good soft suspension toy cars, uh, similar size of, of the Hot Wheels. Um, oh, for me, for me, it did. It was, did, um, it was awesome. That's not sporty. That's not what you want as a customer. You don't want soft, <laughs> comfortable. I'm <laughs> never gonna stick. I, I will just say that this man is currently driving a French car now. Maybe. My my car collection is big my toy car collection let's say that okay. and i still buy them i still buy them at sainsbury's for some sort of reason yeah yeah i mean I, uh, on that note i was utterly disappointed disappointed when i got to real cars because i was playing with transformers yeah and real cars don't do anything like that is that why you bought a True. camper van so you can like do other things in it uh, yeah actually i never thought of it but it's probably why i really like clever kind of solutions like that like the camper van which for the size of it can do a lot of things you can modify it to do what you want whereas i guess similar to a transformer you should buy a truck then you can finally be up to this prime buy a truck that would be an awesome truck wouldn't it oh yeah buy a truck sell the van buy a truck it's more it's more doesn't fit on the drive doesn't matter it's parked on the street what are they going to do tow you away clamp you It's a statement. No one will pulling me out of the village. They'll have to move you first, Uh, and at least you can live in the truck, not the van. There's more space. That's true. Yeah, true. That's the thing. Maybe you can buy an old like race transporter, which becomes an office, a bedroom, a living, or a big RV. You can stick your Toyota underneath it as well, and take it with you to places. That's true. Yeah, that could be the next thing. Let me go. Let me go speak to the girlfriend. See. uh, See how she reacts to the idea of uh, we're moving into a truck. Uh, I'll I'll message her now and get you feedback if you'd like. <laughs> what do you think about living with Optimus Prime? Oh, 
that would be cool. Anyway, I'm not sure I'm fully on board with living with a truck. But anyway, um, the, 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 the clever solutions bit that you mentioned are actually quite, quite useful because, I mean, there's clever solutions for different things. And I like cars that do clever things um, or have, like, you know, very purpose-built in many ways. Uh, I, I like a... I like a sports car, but I also like a, you know, a luxurious thing, which is just there to cosset you as you drive down the road and not realize you've covered like 500 miles in one go. Uh, I'm a fan of yeah. that. Yeah, mm. no, for sure. And like, okay, I mean, I don't want to keep talking about my own cars, but in that sense, I, I really appreciate the GT as well, because it's still a decently light sports car, entertaining to drive. But you can also fit four wheels in the back of it, so you need to go to track. You could bring your own race wheels with you. You know, that's that's little things that you may go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's quite handy. That's quite cool. And actually, moving house with the GT wasn't that bad either. Yeah, you should probably point out this is a Toyota GT86, not some other yes, form of GT. Right. That is a fairly True. common name for cars. Uh, that, that's a name that at least makes sense, unless unlike the uh, Tech and Turbo S. Uh, I should put a, turbo stickers on the back of my engine. Though. You you could just turbocharge it instead. It might make it a little bit quicker in a straight line. I don't need more power. You K injection. Power. Yeah. We get you a. Can we get a. Does Mugen do it? No, not Mugen. Mugen's Honda. There must be some um, specialist Toyota tuner out in Japan who can do something special for you. I've already seen a few modified GT86s. They look quite nice. It's an idea. Spoon. I always thought Spoon was, was, was such a cool name for a tuner. Yeah, Spoon. True. Is there Honda a... as well, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure there is a uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing new Supra. Uh, sorry, new GT86 coming out as well. Like the Yaris GR. There'll be a GT86 GR or something. That could be quite interesting. Oh, yeah. That could be really T interesting. TRD is, is Toyota. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, TRD is also yeah. Toyota. Toyota, Toyota, Toyota racing. racing development. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean... Uh, Going back to the inspiring bit, um, something purpose-built, like a race car, like an F1 car, or a, a World Rally Championship car, which at least you can still drive to work if you want, because it has number plates. That's useful, I think. And they're just, you know, they're designed for one thing, and they do one thing really well, and happen to do some other things as well. I, I mean, you could probably drive an F1 car to, like, Sainsbury's if you wanted to. Um, not sure where you'd put your stuff, or how you'd start it up again. It could. We'd be very good at getting you somewhere which doesn't have uh, speed bumps. Are they allowed to park in the family parking bays that are slightly wider? I feel like you could park it anywhere you felt like. Well, with our driving skills, we'd probably park it into the wall. <laughs> yeah. in, in the shop, a drive-through experience in a Formula One car. There must be an advert that someone someone must have driven an F1 car inside a supermarket before it for like marketing purposes. If not, Formula One teams, if you're listening, we're happy to help organize that for you. And drive them. Yeah. 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 Completely. We're here. We're professionals. Um, happy to help. Yeah. I mean, um, from an inspiring perspective, I think even cars that have like, you know, some sort of soul with some character, it's it's nice. I mean, going back to your 
toys comment i i remember having some 143 scale and 118 scale ferraris when i was a kid and also the tiny hot wheels you know the usual ones you buy from sainsbury's or tesco or whatever um i i think i have a bucket full of them at home somewhere um i'm sure my mom and dad are very pleased that i've left all these things behind uh, thanks yeah I, i still remember playing with those like valerian mentioned you know driving them around seeing what happens uh quite, quite honest, we've, not, we've not outgrown our toy phase no we've just made bigger the toys that we have exactly now. exactly you just have real ones you just have real True. ones now. yeah i mean and that's i mean you still have to stay childish inside right oh yeah yeah well, that's the, enough time yeah. to grow the, the one the one difference is is that with the toy cars uh using a hammer does not fix it whereas with real cars yeah. it might actually fix it it might actually fix it yeah yeah very true very good, good point. point yeah good point i mean do you remember the first car that you the first real car do you have a memory of the first real car that you experienced uh not driving well, just experienced no 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 just experienced like what's the first car that you remember i think i have this vague memory of driving from italy to holland in the back of my parents subaru outback playing with my transformer toys actually and then sticking chewing gum in a place where definitely didn't have to stick to chewing gum and that <laughs> definitely ruined the, the toy which i was really upset about afterwards but yeah that that's one of the probably earlier memories of a, of me being in the car is uh, is is that why you bought a subaru outback yourself at one point uh, I, i don't know yeah sorry did i say outback they had a legacy apologies they had like a okay. legacy and i got that got nicked but yeah effectively okay maybe that's a maybe that's another topic for the future childhood cars that have made you buy it again. Uh Valerian. Oh, to be fair, it fits for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. It does completely. Yeah. Valerian, what's your first like car memory? I think definitely one of the first ones is my my mom's car. It was a, a Dutch Duff mm. uh 55 very matic, I think, and it was also kind of a, a deluxe version. um but then at that time those cars were worth not much uh, which is why <laughs> probably was was bought as well uh but looking at the pictures later it did actually look quite epic it had, it had a red sky leather or fake leather interior mm. um and I remember once we we did have kind of a, a an issue with the car I was with my mom in the car and the engine stopped uh, stopped working or was, was behaving badly and uh, my mom opened the bonnet and i just pointed at something that was around the 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 spark plugs uh which she then tightened and then the car worked again oh wow um, which did was pure pure luck i was going to um, ask did you know yes. what he was saying or you were just pointing not at all Thanks. not at all excellent um, Well, that was, I think, one of the the first memories. I just have a, a few memories of of some cars, some some really cool looking cars as well. I, I saw, I still remember that very vividly. Looking at the uh, BMW M1 concept car um, mm. that was that we I, I visited at the Schlumpf Museum mm. in France. Um, yeah, that that was that was epic. That's still in my memory. That's a very nice car. Uh I'm just wondering do you still use the same logic when somebody asks you for car advice now you just point at something and hope it's right because that that would equate to a lot of things I've asked you where you just pointed at something and 
doesn't always work. Your suggestion? Uh, zero uh, brain effort. So yes. Excellent. I thought so. Yes. Some, yeah. Something I'm efficient. I'm going to keep that in the back of my head when I ask you something next time. Efficient. Uh, yes. I think my first car memory is the family car, which was a Fiat 1100, probably from the 60s or 70s. And this was in the 90s. Um, And I think I was probably like three or four and just sort of climbing up and down seats and pressing horns and buttons. I think I have some pictures of me in it as well. Um, This probably explains why I like Fiat's. Because we yes. had we had three back to back, and then a fourth, and now I have one, and I had a one before this. It probably explains a lot. Uh, how um, how how rare or difficult? Maybe difficult isn't even a word. Is it to get those cars in India? So at that point uh, in India in the nineties, the uh, auto market was still opening up. So it was only really Fiat and uh, that had come in with a partner called Premier. Um, and there was Hindustan that was another car company that still exists, making the Ambassador, which was a Morris Oxford, effectively, uh, as well as a uh, Contessa, which is based on a Vauxhall. Uh, they were just imported. There were very few cars. And then Suzuki came in um, with a partner called Maruti, another of the biggest Suzuki um, brand of well manufacturing uh, anywhere uh, and those are the ones that really started cars being available to people in India they were still expensive you still had to pay uh, a lot um, to actually get one uh, over the normal price of the car uh, which is why there were so many premier fiats running around and still are running around as taxis uh, they've probably you could I think you could still buy one new in like the 2000s um, a fiat 1100 effectively uh, so lots of spare parts there. And I looked at, uh, uh, because I'm one of those people, I look at how much they are out in India and how much they are here. Uh, they are becoming more collectible and classic now as most of them are rusting away, as you'd expect. Uh, so yeah, it was quite hard to get them. But once you got them, you sort of held on to it because you couldn't get that many. And then eventually the market opened up and now you can get pretty much anything. It's interesting. The, especially the spare parts market. Uh, mm-hmm. Because for brands like those in, in those time periods, parts getting very, very rare yeah. Um, yeah. have to be reproduced. So original parts are definitely uh, hard interesting. To find. Yeah, uh, interesting. hard to find. And uh, I have, when I was looking for parts for the Uno here, I have actually looked in India to see if I could just buy some from there next time I'm there and bring them with me. Because uh, they're, still, they're still manufacturing or you know aftermarket not original, but pretty close. Um, that is available there. Cool. So the, yeah. So I mean, I think that's that's definitely my first experience of a car, an old Fiat 1100 with the not the suicide doors, the other ones. You know, the ones that open from the B pillar, front and rear both. Do you know? What, you know what I'm talking about? I don't think I've ever seen a vehicle that has the doors open from the from the B pillar. Yeah, yeah, it's quite I mean, cool. I can envision it, but yeah, I mean, the front door opens uh, suicide door style. Yeah, but no, not not towards the front of the car. It opens towards the middle, so they're hinged on the B pillar. Oh, mm. like a butterfly. Yeah, like a butterfly. That's 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 one way of looking at it. Yeah, uh, quite cool. I must say, quite I cool. Have never seen that. No, 
Yeah, well, maybe we need to go to the uh, to like a Italian car meet because I think quite a few Italian cars had that uh, at some point. I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, new Rolls Royces. I think the Wraith opens that way. It only has one set of doors, I think, uh, but it opens that way. It opens from the back. Yeah, I can I can remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that for the front, and the rear is conventional, but it's hinged on the same B pillar. It's yeah. quite cool. Uh, it's quite cool. No, lots of space to get in and out then. Uh, but anyway, um, inspiring cars, basically, what we've decided is um, something that you connect with or is interesting or purpose-built or clever. I think that's fair to say. That's a fairly good um, overview of what could inspire you. Yeah, a good summary of uh, yeah. what it means. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to motorsport. Uh, we witnessed the Portuguese Grand Prix. Well, two of us witnessed the Portuguese yeah, exactly. Grand Prix. Exactly. This is going to be great because I've actually seen the race. I've seen about three laps of it, and then you guys could tell me all about it. Yeah, we're not giving you a lap by lap rundown because I don't think there's enough time in the world for that. Uh, but I thought it was semi interesting at the front, but it was a bit. Overall, I think once it settled down, it was a bit tame. Uh, lots of interesting things happening in the midfield. Uh, Alpines coming through. Uh, very strange strategy for Carlos. I didn't understand that at all. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, Perez is like super long first stint on mediums. Uh, made sense if there was another safety car, but there was no other safety car. So I think at some point they should have said, well, you know what? Let's just stop him. We might get fourth. Oh, no, sorry. We might get uh, both us uh, in third. But that didn't happen either. Uh, but otherwise, it was the standard Bottas is great on Saturday, and then Sunday happens, and uh, Lewis gets past both of them, Max and Bottas. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting racing from the back. Uh, I did see Mick Schumacher overtaking a Williams, which I didn't expect him to be that close um, in the Haas. I think he's really good. I'm not sure the Haas was that good. Um, and, and, and finishing uh, and, one minute faster than... Uh, than his teammate. Exactly. And his teammate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was super impressive. Uh, I think he's learned his lesson from Imola about uh, warming up his tires. I think that was just an embarrassing rookie mistake, which he's probably learned from pretty quickly. He did have some uh, wheel-to-wheel racing with uh, Sebastian when Vettel passed him, which I thought was quite nice. Um, yes, and his driving style as well, kind of the yeah. calm yeah. steering wheel uh, moves he has that are very similar to his dad. Yeah, uh, I did... Um, I think at some point we were watching the onboard during in the normal race for uh, you know broadcast, and they were on board with him, and he was sublime. He was just very like measured input. There was a bit of opposite lock, but you didn't really notice it. And I was like, well, this is special, like very smooth Jensen Button, Michael esque kind of thing. Uh, it's yep. quite cool, quite cool to watch. Very cool to watch. Also cool to see uh, Alonso uh, mm-hmm. kind of getting more used to the car. Correct. Uh, and then finally unleashing the, uh, the, the bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Alonso, I think Alonso and Perez definitely are getting more used to the car. Carlos definitely is because he outqualified Leclerc, which is yep. impressive. I think his strategy really let him down. Uh, otherwise, he would have probably finished around Leclerc. Yeah. Um, yeah, such a deception that yeah. was. Yeah. And Daniel is being outdriven by Mr. Norris. I'm a big fan of Lando, 
but wow, where's this coming from? Yeah, this is a very remarkable yeah. performance. Yeah. He's really, really uh, he's owning profiting it. from his momentum. Yeah, he's completely owning it at the moment. So that's yeah. quite cool to watch. I hope it continues. Yeah, I, I quite I quite like Lando. He's also he's like one of those happy go lucky guys, and then in the car he's a complete animal, uh, like a shark. I like it. Very similar to Ricardo in that way, from a personality and you know in the car perspective. Yes. Yeah, that's quite. It's, I I like the new McLaren. I wasn't a McLaren fan when I was a kid, but now I'm much more of a McLaren fan just because of what the things they're doing. Um, very approachable. Hmm. Um, and. Speaking of F1, there's a Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, we've already discussed earlier that it could be boring. Let's hope it's not. But there's also the Formula E race in Monaco on the actual F1 track, not the short track that, that they've done in the past. So that could be interesting to see what it actually looks like. Because the last Formula E race was at Valencia on an actual circuit as well. So now there's actual comparisons that can be made to other formula. Um, Valencia was a bit strange because everybody ran out of juice thanks to safety cars and uh, they didn't know how much energy to save or use, which made the last laps quite comical, frankly. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in Monaco because Formula E is quite, let's say, uh, almost touring car levels of like rough, rubbing his racing, um, uh, attacking. So it'd be very interesting to see what they do in Monaco. I'm, I'm expecting someone to bin it in the tunnel at some point. Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, to make it more exciting. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I wonder where... The, uh, I think they moved the attack mode as well to some other place on the track, uh, which should make it uh, even more interesting. Will I mean, they, they can follow each other in Formula E. They can stick the card on the inside. They do have power... Um, there's a delta in power between cars when they're in attack mode or fan boost. So you'll probably see a lot more overtaking in the Monaco Formula E race than we will in the Monaco Formula 1 race. Uh, so it could be quite interesting to see. Maybe a bit like the historic Monaco where people were actually going side by side into things. Yeah, and and uh, that was even even riskier, I think, using a old yeah. history <laughs> uh, and still whacked that in the, in the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought he got pushed slightly on that one. Well, there, there are many stories. Uh, the, the interesting thing is, obviously, you don't have any vehicle data. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of them said, well, he was just, you know, misshifting, um, and therefore he lost speed, and, and the other one was so close, he bumped into it. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other one said, well, maybe my shift was a little bit slower, but definitely didn't make a difference, and we should have kept distance etc etc um but they're, they're kind of blaming each other which yeah. is also quite interesting oh, because exactly. you know these days in formula one you don't really blame each other for a long time um but there yeah they they still blame each other yeah <laughs> because they can i mean they can. it was funny that the week after kimmy sort of didn't pay attention and drove into his own teammate at the portuguese grand prix which which i was like oh wow, wow who is he hit what's happened there I was like, oh he drove into giovanazzi oops while playing with the steering wheel <laughs> oopsie big oops oh well it happens to the best of them and he's one of the best um anything else we're expecting from the spanish grand prix this weekend or any other any other notes from the portuguese grand prix that you've picked up on 
not so much the Portuguese Grand Prix, but more something happened this week. Uh, Grosjean in a Mercedes mm. uh, suit. Yes. Now, what you mostly see is he's wearing that suit, and you, you're going to see the top of his body. Yeah. But there's a picture somewhere that shows the name uh, yeah. on the suit. <laughs> Stoffel <laughs> Van Stoffel. Yes. Well, I suppose he fits the style. Why would you make an extra? They probably get a proper suit for him. Uh, France, Belgium, yeah. <laughs> same thing. Could say the same about the Netherlands and Belgium as well. Just a thought. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the, we. I think he's going to run it at Paul Ricard, uh, French Grand Prix weekend. Uh, that'll be cool to see. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a really cool gesture. Yeah, it's a good. Way. It's a good gesture, and it's. Uh, uh, it's nice that Mercedes came through with their initial offer, which I think Toto made like literally days after. Um, so it's nice to see them coming through with it. Um, also, a really handy extra test session for a two-year-old Mercedes at the track. So this, so this was an offer extended by Toto after his crash last year. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, it I has think- also to do with kind of the the trauma. Uh, where yeah, you know, he left Formula One with kind of a trauma, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to get back into a Formula One car uh, and and drive it is kind of a closure. Yeah. Of that uh, episode. Yeah. yeah. So the circle of life thing. But um, he's now in in IndyCar. Isn't he's he is in IndyCar. He's, he's, he's having a, a pretty decent time there. Ah, yeah. He's having a good time there. He's uh, loving it. Yeah, if, he, if you check his Instagram, he loves his freaking camper as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I saw that him driving around this big ass motorhome. I was like, oh yeah. He's so happy. He's very happy with that. But he's doing really well in IndyCar. I think he managed to crash already. Uh, but then it's IndyCar. So I would be expected. disappointed if he didn't, to be fair. Yeah, it's IndyCar. It's expected right at some point. You will yeah, be involved. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to see him at least get his closure. Um, yeah. He was uh, cancelling uh, or, or not, at least not driving the oval. Correct. Uh, races for the moment he might do one this year yeah i think so uh, I, I thought but uh, yeah it's, it's cool yeah it's really i mean cool. I, I think from all the drivers that have disappeared from f1 over the years he probably has the biggest um perso- persona now uh, because of his crash last year yeah everyone knows who he is now because and the fact that, that you know in that netflix episode he kind of said well you know i just walk out of a fire yeah exactly that helps, <laughs> that, that helps. Yeah. and it's made him it's made him more famous than he would have been if it didn't happen which is a bit <laughs> sad but yeah very, very true <laughs> yeah. yeah he's got i think he's got a graphic on his helmet that says the phoenix yeah <laughs> fantastic <laughs> he's fantastic. just you know pushing it yeah it's milk well, it for as long as you can <laughs> yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly well, uh, on that note, then, should we uh, end this week's chat and uh, see what sort of feedback we get from people? Uh, and if people swear at us a lot, stop talking, then we'll keep talking. And if people like what we say, then we'll keep talking. Right. If people have managed to get this far, I'm very impressed. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're really stupid, but yeah. <laughs> thank you. Wow. <laughs> I wish I could give you back your next hour and 15 minutes, but okay. I'm sorry, that ain't going to happen. Valerian is not going to take, do We'll any take any more marketing. of your time. Mm. Valerian is not allowed to do any marketing for this at all with that sentence. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening, uh, and hopefully see you next week, or uh, when we record this next, which should probably be next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.